Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Welcome to the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks for joining us today with me in the studio. I've got Blake Fellows from Fellows Financial Group. Thank you, Blake. And I've got Marie Henderson. And Marie is joining us from the greater Philadelphia metropolitan area. That's what we've decided to call that region of Philadelphia. And Blake is with Fellows Financial Group, a investment advisory, um, insurance, uh, full service financial planning firm. Works with Marie. Marie's one of his clients, as is Marie's son, Gerald Henderson. Uh, well, I've worked with Gerald briefly as well on uh, some franchise stuff. And Marie has a business. Marie, what's the name of your business? It's called Marie Henderson Group. Okay. I'm with, uh, affiliated with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Fox and Roach. And um, I provide real estate services to a lot of clients. Okay. And when you say a lot of clients, I think that's interesting because Blake, of course, told me you're the mother of Gerald Henderson. who's Correct. NBA player and television sportscaster now, I think, for the Hornets. You said he has a game tonight. And I've chatted with Gerald a little bit, um, and he did mention that you have a, a burgeoning real estate business and that you focus on providing services to athletes. Is that right? To Correct. NBA athletes, maybe NFL athletes, right. people that are kind of in your sphere of... Tell me a little bit, how did that come about? Um, well, actually, it started with um, um, me working with my grandmother, who okay. was a broker. Okay. So she literally had all of these properties in Syracuse, New York, and I would just go along with her. Okay. Um, even if it was just a, back then they had like these one rooms where you could rent, and I'd literally would go in and help her change the the sheets or whatever for the people that were living there, and um, she started buying buildings and. Um, what year was this? Gosh, in. in Gosh, in the 60s. In the 60s. Wow. Okay. In the okay. 60s. So, um, and, but she taught me that um, she was like one of the first to um, help um, African-Americans in those days. Wow. Okay. So to own real estate, which is vastly different than renting. Exactly. As we all know. Okay. Exactly. Great. So then kind of was in my blood. And then um, my husband also um, was a professional athlete back in the Larry Bird days. Robert Parrish. And um, I just noticed when we were going to a lot of different teams that we weren't getting the best um, representation. And um, I just noticed where players were um, paying, um, maybe a home was $2 million and they weren't getting anything off of that. It was, right. like, you know, it kind of looked like, well, they can afford it if, if, if you know, no need of trying to negotiate at all. Right. And so um, I decided then that, you know, I wanted to get my license and kind of help ourselves. So your husband, who did he play for back then? He played for the Celtics was the main one. Okay. Seattle Supersonics. 
um, New York Knicks. So he had to. So so this came about because he moved from place yeah. to place, and each time you move as a professional athlete, you're buying a home, presumably because yeah. you're there for a series of years. It's not like a, you know, yeah, a short term rental that kind was of thing. A that was a mistake because you, as you can see, we didn't stay in a lot of places too long. Right. By the time we bought it, we might have been traded to another town already. And now you're stuck with these properties. Right. Because you don't even get to pick where you're moving to. Exactly. Because you're getting traded. Exactly. So um, it probably made better sense to rent in some of these places. But anyway, I mean, that's what the guys do now. But anyway, when um, my son G um, came in the league, I said, oh, I'm going to make sure that these guys don't make the same mistakes that we did as far as investing in a property and then you're traded six months later. Right. You're stuck with, you know, the market goes down. And, um, and that's what I did. So, you know, at wherever G moved, I um, always was involved in the deal some sort of way. And then when he finally said he wanted to buy a uh, place in Charlotte because he wanted to be close to Duke and work out. Mm -hmm. um, that's when I, um, I, you know, I said, okay, you can buy something now. It's been three, four years. And if you're going to come back here in the summers, that's fine. This is when he was on the Hornets at the time exactly. he bought the house. So this is kind of a more permanent thing. <clears throat> so what do you see as the, what's the goal of your current company? The goal now yeah. is um, I take all, all types of uh, clients. I was just yesterday in the city um, with a client that was looking for a uh, property for 150000 And then, you know, earlier in the day, I was with a client who was looking for, you know, a place and um, like, you know, around $2 million. So some so are professional very, athletes. Some are pro professional athletes. And then I get the first-time homebuyers as well. Okay. Um, one of the things that I really try to make sure is that um, – because I'm in a lot of different cities as well. I'll have a client maybe in New York, maybe in D.C., and I'll get the agent there that I feel rep will represent the gotcha. client the best. But I always stay in the loop. So you can help these players out as they move from city to city. Exactly. Can make sure they're not getting ripped off. Right. And going through what you went through with your husband when he was moving from the Celtics to the super, moving all over the country, team right. to team. And, and they then always a, call me. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a relationship with a lot of the moms too. Gotcha. And they'll call NBA me. moms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, we have a little. Um, we have a uh, organization. Do you have a Facebook page? Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, and um, so you know, they'll ask me questions about everything, and I just try to give them the best advice that I can. Gotcha. Well, and how are you working with Blake? So, what Blake, are you guys doing together? Um, through a mutual friend. Okay. She. Um, we were in the process of looking at different financial advisors. And um, she, you know, she told me about Blake and Blake nicely came up to Philadelphia and met with me. And um, I just had a, I just, you know, sometimes you just have a intuition that right. I liked it. I liked him. And um, so he actually came down and met with G, my son, and um, my husband was there, who's a tough cookie. <laughs> I've talked to your husband. We've had conversations. Yeah, he's a tough cookie. In fact, your son hung up, was done with a call, and your yeah. husband stayed on for another 20 minutes. Yeah. He's like, and so, I have a few more questions. I like, know, okay. right? So. And so Blake came down um, to Charlotte and met with us there. And, um, you know, I just kept on, you know, pushing Blake. And they, 
And G was like, okay, mom, I get it. I get it. And um, finally, now G probably talks to Blake more than I do. And they have formed a, a wonderful relationship. Blake has been just tremendous on, um, you know, just being hands-on that you right. a lot of um, advisors just don't do. And um, Well, you're in the professional services space, so I, you probably have a sense of, you know, what it is to be a good professional services person. Right, 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 right. right. So, uh, Blake, why don't you tell us, what, what have you worked with um, Gerald on or the, the family on, I guess, generally? What, what is it that you do since you're on the show? Let's start with that. Tell us about Kellis okay. Financial Group. What yeah, is, maybe we'll- What is FFG? We'll speak more generically. Oh, let's, let's plug. What is your website? Uh, fellowsfg.com. Okay, so FFG, yeah. but the fellows in the FFG. Fellowsfg.com. Okay, and, we're, we're start- and we can talk a little bit about that. We're starting to do so many different things that- um, Well, so give us an overview first. Okay. Um, let's hone in on kind of what you and Marie and um, Gerald and all of your fun, interesting stuff. All right. But what, so tell me about Fellows. Uh, almost 20 years now we've okay. been doing this. And it started really, um, gosh, year 2000, you know, right out of college, didn't know much about what I was doing. Um, and, you know, I would talk to anybody that, that, would, that would listen. And my mom actually owned a small business. You know, single parent owned a business in a small town outside of DC, which now is a lot, looks a lot different now. If anyone's from Virginia or Maryland, they see the area is a lot different. Um, so I, you know, Hey, she would talk to me. So I went and and said, Hey, my mama listens, let's go talk to her about what we do. And, uh, I started asking some of the, you know, very normal questions, you know, mom, do you have, what have you done for retirement? What, What have you done for this? What have you done for, you know, uh, protection and, um, and a lot of things, you know, hadn't been done. Uh, because she was busy, uh, you know, running a business and providing for a family. So I went on to the next, you know, my, my good friend, his, his dad owns a pretty large plumbing outfit. So I went on to the next place, very successful. Uh, so you would, Hey, these folks, they must have all their stuff done, you know, from a financial perspective. And, uh, so I said, Hey, I'd like to show you what we do. And next thing you know, he's like, you know, no, no will, no business succession plan. No retirement plan for the business. So you had a lot of crap to get done. Yes. As they say in the plumbing business. Yes, right? that's right. That's what, you know, <laughs> that's what they would say. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's some other ones in there too you could use. But Yeah. Uh, so it was a common theme, you know, and it didn't matter the industry. It was from plumbing to restaurants and now, you know, government contractors. I mean, uh, land development and construction. What I found was this common thread that, geez, these guys need an advocate. You know, they're very busy people. And they have their heads down doing what they're doing. Gotcha. So it's not that you're drafting a will, right? Or it's not that you're particularly doing every single thing they need. You're an advocate to kind of holistically take care of the person. Correct. Okay. Yeah. The, the person, their family. Or not, the I'm not trying to steal your thunder. That's just you yeah, know, yeah. kind of what it sounds like. No, okay. you got it. You got it. Because, um, you know, they're so busy and they build up firewalls, right? How hard is it to get to the owner of a business who's very right. busy? You have like three or four people in front of them. So they're missing new ideas. They might be missing ways to save money on taxes. They might be missing ways to protect their business and their family and incentivize people. They're key employees. I mean, you got to sort the flack from the chaff, I guess, when yes. it comes to that as a business owner. It's tough. It's very tough. Right? So uh, we're, we're carving a niche out for really being advocates for small business owners. And when I say small, I mean, you know, pretty small to, you know, several, several million dollars. You know, it's, um, okay. it's, it's pretty interesting. 
So how did you get involved in the professional athlete space? How'd you, I, I, I heard how you met Gerald, his mom basically, Gerald, you need to use Blake. And that's what's <laughs> the and strong arm. Yeah. So that was, I, I understand how you, you met Gerald, but how did you meet Marie and how did you, I know you've worked with other professional athletes before that and you're kind of in that, so one of your partners, Ken, who's been on our show. Yep. Uh, I'm friends with as well, but he's a Redskins player and I know he has some connections there as well. Yeah. Uh, but tell me about what Fellows does, particularly in that space. Because that's sort of a, a topic of interest. And, and so I just bring this up before I ask you that question. Sure. You played basketball, D1 basketball in college. Is that right? I played, uh, I ended up playing junior college in, okay. down in Chattanooga. Chattanooga. For okay. two years. Yep. Okay. When I, when I got to JMU, James Madison, uh-huh. uh, I had a chance to play and decided to actually be a just a student. That's probably, probably, did that work out better, you think? It was hard enough to get good grades and uh, play basketball in Chattanooga. By the time I got to JMU, I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to be a finance major. And then that's, so, so and it now, worked out. Yeah, no regrets. It was great. But that kind of, your background in that kind of led you to, you know, have an interest in working with athletes? Oh, uh, yeah. No, no question. No question. So it's, if, if I may, the- um, Yeah, you may. So uh, Ken, when, he, when we got introduced, a uh, mutual friend- Ken was looking for, to get into this industry, into mm-hmm. the financial services industry, broad stroke. And, um, I, you know, I, I told, he, he said, most of the folks he's been talking with uh, are, real, you know, see Ken, they're really excited. Hey, we can go, uh, we can go work with professional athletes. We're going to go to the Redskins. We're going to go to the NFL and this and that. And I said, I really don't have much of an interest in that. Um, I work with small business owners. I said, however, tell me if I'm wrong, but pretty much every athlete is their own small business owner. They basically are 1099ing their services out to whatever team they happen to be playing for. So we take, so that was like, man, are they 1099s to the teams? Uh, no, but, that, oh, okay. but that's your, your base. The way I look at it is you're almost subcontracting. But they're employee. Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious. So I if didn't you go actually from, know that. From whatever team to the other team, you're now working for this, for this. Team, right. Right. So, but at the end of the day, it's your brand. So we try now and we just have happened to have more professional athletes come under our umbrella, but we say, look, you know, we want to train from the beginning and educate and and in almost perspective shift a little bit into let's start thinking of this as if you're a business owner now. So that when it's time to leave, either through injury or, you know, normal retirement, right, you're already set up to uh go on to whatever the next chapter is. Well so so that's interesting. And I think probably Gerald had a huge benefit having you as a mother because you had a business background and your grandmother owned buildings and you have a whole different history, but but talking to Ken on this show, Ken's writing a book called Confessions of a Broke Ass uh, <laughs> X NFL Player. Oh, wow. That's that his title, not mine. So, and then it. he talked about it very openly, but he said the challenge was that most players aren't like that. Most players grow up in an environment where they're not used to having money, mm. and all of a sudden they have a lot of money. But what they don't think about is five years from now, one injury. That money can stop. And so you kind of have to plan for that. And the way Ken put it is everybody's coming to you asking for, I need this money or I need that money. Buy me this, buy me that. I have this deal. I have this idea. And you wake up one morning, your money's gone. And Ken played for 12 years in the NFL, which is a really long time. Yeah. I mean, to be, uh, you know, a first string player. And he, you know, he's writing a book, Confessions of a Broke Ass NFL Player. So, um, so t- tell me about that and how that comes into your. I guess the way you talk to players and you're, you're kind of planning, like it seems like they're kind of different than a lot of small business owners who are like, I'm here to make my business conservative with their money. Sure. So you're talking to a different 
uh, set of people about different problems. There are people with a lot of money already yes. and success, but a lot of risk, right? I mean, it seems like it. Yep. And again, not necessarily in the case with Gerald, because you grew up. He grew up with a family that was in business pretty consistently before that. But you know, generally, it seems like that would be a challenge. Do you run into that, Marie, with your with some of the players when you talk to them about real estate and buying houses? And I want a ten million dollar house, or well, maybe you should get the two million dollar house and save some money. Um, I mean, you're a real estate what, agent. To be fair, buy the bigger house. Right, <laughs> right. right. And I mean, that's definitely not the. Um, the I'm, in fact, I'm just the opposite. And, okay. But I kind of leave like all of those types of things up to their agent. Okay. And then um, I just try to make sure they they um, have the best investment possible. But um, I kind of leave all of the financial stuff up to their mortgage people and their gotcha. agents. Yeah. And decisions about the house, though, that's kind of some... Where they'd need to talk to somebody like Blake to give them sort of advice. Exactly. Because an agent isn't going to say, well, this is a better investment for you. I don't think. An agent's getting... A percentage of their contract and making sure they get endorsements generally. So that's, it, I mean, that's kind of where you would come in, right, Blake? Yep, that, that's right. All right. So tell me about that. Well, um, you know, it's like, it's interesting because you're right. Um, most people are in, in the accumulation phase their whole lives trying to save right. money and make money and then get to a point where they can then spend it down, you know, because then they will have amassed it later is what the hopes are. Uh, most athletes, you know, are young and and they they get get a lot of money up front so it's a it's a it's a same discuss it's the same discussion but a but but it's backwards right so it's it's protection how do you protect funds how do you ladder it out so you know that this is what's available now this is what's going to be available here this is going to be available here um and budgeting is a big thing uh to get used to early and it's hard it's hard it's really hard. It's, um, yeah. you know, there's a, probably a negative stigma. It's like, well, these guys got so much money, they're going to be fine. Oh, I can't believe they did this or, you know, blew that or whatever. It, you know, I'm starting to see from that perspective over the past few years, it, it, it's not an easy thing. Well, it's like the lottery winner syndrome, right? Yeah. I mean, it, people who win a lottery, there is some statistic somewhere in some newspaper that something like 70% of them are bankrupt within five years yeah. and they've won like $10 million. Yeah. And we all think, well, if I had $10 million, but then they, they spend ten million dollars. Well, they don't live like they were living, or somewhere in the middle. But they just, you know, it's yeah. just it's a it's a huge mental shift, right? It's tough. So that's that's unique because I would think that most, um, I won't say it's not a vulture thing or a, a carcass thing, but I feel like there's you know with somebody who's young with a lot of money, like it's very vulnerable. Oh, even it, though they're no like question. starting, you know, linebacker for whatever. You know they're potentially very vulnerable. Oh, and there's many layers of it from the from the landscapers who charge it, you know, twice as much as they charge the house next door. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, it, and you know, let's not shop the uh, real estate because they got the money. Let's go ahead and just do this, right? Um, right. And so they, so again, the word advocate comes back up. Yeah, and we really do mean that. I mean, you know, we'd we'd like to be looking down the road five, ten, fifteen years from now, saying, "Wow, I'm." You know, you were kind of, I didn't really like what you were telling me back then, but now I kind of understand. Um, you it's know, annoying to save money. Yeah. We, we, you know, and the tough decisions. So that's just like the bit small, small to mid-sized business owner. Right. These, these guys, these guys and gals, these athletes need, need an advocate. They're really looking out for them. And we have the processes and systems in place to do that. And it's very similar. Business owner, athletes, very, there's a lot of similarity. Differences, different nuances, sure, but a lot of similarity. So we, We've put together our business. Um, we have the right people in place, the right process, the right technologies. It's 
you know, uh, it's, so, but it is hard. So Marie, when, when, what have you worked on with Blake that you can just tell us like ex- experientially, how has he helped, uh, either Gerald or you with, with the stuff like you're talking about it kind of, uh, sort of, um, you know, out there in an ethereal way, like it's happening and we do this great stuff, but you know, anything tangible without saying like this specific business happened or that business happened, but you know, generally has it been like, well, we looked at investments and we looked at putting aside money and we looked at buying, you know, life insurance or disability insurance or things like that. Like what kinds of things is it, and you, either of you, sure. that, mm-hmm. that you guys have, have done together uh, that, that are kind of solid things that have happened. So if, if I could just say one part real quick. Um, sure. And knowing also that we don't want to get too detailed, this is personal stuff, but it's, uh, but I do have, spe- I have examples I can give of other stuff. But one example is like with your law firm. Um, so G brings, you know, he brings, you know, he gets, that's the other thing is everybody's got the best new investment. Right. Oh man, I got yeah. the best new idea. Oh, oh, wait a minute. No, this one. Oh, that one. The, yeah. You know, so on a, it's kind of funny, but it's, this is my view of it is uh, my first answer is no. And then now let's take a look at it. So, you know, so for example, uh, the, the deal that I got you involved with, right. Uh, and you yeah. helped vet that deal. Uh, that might be one of the, that's one of the areas where we, on an ongoing basis, where we provide value is, does this make sense? Does this fit into my plan that we've put together? And to be clear, we told him not to do it. Yeah. And yeah. No, it was good. Happened, good advice. Um, yeah. Because it wasn't a great, a great deal. So. Hey, we're the ones here um, to say no when it needs to be said. So. Yeah. So that's, that's an important advocacy thing. So would you say, Marie, that you would, if somebody were looking for a home and they were a professional athlete, would you be a good person to talk to, even if they were looking in? Seattle or Los Angeles or Miami or something like that, just to talk to as an sort of an, from an advocacy perspective or, you know, how do you buy a home without getting taken to the cleaners kind of thing? Yeah, typically, um, I would have to use the local agent Mm -hmm. that's in that particular, um, area. So say Seattle or LA, but I'd select the agent and, um, kind of interview them and, um, get their expertise, but let them know this is what they're looking for. Um, this is their budget. Right. Because I, I notice a, quite a few times where they're, oh, I've got this great other property. And let's know that's not what we came to you for. Right. Um, one example was I had a client in Charlotte was, um, was, that was an athlete. And um, so I interviewed a couple of um, real estate agents. But I never told them that I had the client at the time. I, was, I told them that, you know, down the line, if I have clients in Charlotte, I'd like to use them as the local agent. Right. And so I interviewed two, two agents and one had a small boutique company and she said that um, she had a team mm-hmm. and that she typically worked with um, the clients that were over a million. And, um, but anyone under like 500,000 she would give to someone on her team. Then I interviewed another agent and um, she, I didn't even ask her this. And she said, Marie, I would treat all my clients the same. And that's the agent I'm going to refer the business to. Is that you talk to, to be the one that is working with your right. referral, your and, person. Yeah. And treat every client the same, regardless of what, um, what, um, you know, home price of the home is um, that they're looking at. And then lo and behold, I said, well, actually, I already have a client 
and they're looking for something in the $2 million range, and I'd like to refer my client Mm. to you because of that. So the other agent lost out on a deal, which would have been $2 million because she, you know, I care about my clients. Um, I feel at the end of the day, if you do a good job for them, that's... it makes me feel good. Yeah. And you don't really worry about this payday. I always feel like um, that will come as long as you do right. the best that you can for your client. Fair. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. Blake, what about you? Uh, as, as far as what? I don't know. As far as anything. So actually, let me ask <laughs> this. Let me ask. First, I'll start with you, Blake. What, what are three things okay. that you would say to, whether it's a small business or more interestingly, how about three things that you would tell an athlete, a young athlete who has just come into money? What are the three things they should do? Go. Three most important things. I'm Blake. I'm with Fellows Financial Group. The three most important things you need to be aware of are X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So, so asset protection. Asset protection. Okay. No question. Um, yeah. You know, from 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 creditors and predators. Okay. You know, because you know, you wanna, like you, that. You want what you did there. You want to, yeah. Predators wanna, and predators. Uh, kind of mitigate and prevent being an easy target. Okay. Because again, it's pretty easy to be an easy target. So, uh, well, you already you like are what a I target, did there? right? Yeah. So, um, uh, that would be number one. And okay. then number two I, would be budgeting. Okay. So, asset protection, budgeting. Yep. Uh, and really trying to find out what it is that you really need now. And then I think number three, since off the top of my head here, I, w- I would go with education. Okay. Because there's no way through experience that we've had, you know, that you could, you're going to be able to tell them exa- and have them retain everything that they need to do over the next 20 years. But you can do the best you can to educate. Okay. Here's how it's going to work. Here's the steps. I know you don't understand where I'm coming from, but here's, I see. So here's, educate here's, them here's step about one. Being their own business owner, about yes. being, about financial things so yeah. that they know- Start now. What right. you, know, hey, you just started. You just let's say you got your second contract. Okay, and the second contract is usually the big one. Okay, let's say we got right. our uh, we got our big one, the second contract. Okay. Now this is great. Keep playing, but let's start planning for what for life after sports. Let's start planning for that now, and how much that's going to cost, right? Because if you take if you take how much you know how much does it take to live on a monthly basis now, net after tax in today's dollars, then you index that for inflation from your age thirty. Right. Right. So let's say they start at age 21 till 30. They, you know, they go nine years, let's say, um, eight, nine, 10 years from 30 to 85, 90 till mortality. How much money is that going to take? And so really put that tack on 50 to 60 plus years onto your life. So it's not just the span of your career. Yeah. You and if you inflate that. Of, yeah. So, so they do so this. Yeah. I know that they do this in the NFL and I think in the NBA also and mm-hmm. most, most organizations now, as far as have, they have classes. But I, I think, uh, I believe it, at least this, this is how it was, is it's, it's like a boot camp of classes. And then, then it's, you know, it's like goes in and then it spills out, like kind of like right. half the stuff is my school when I went to school. I mean, you know, it's someone needs to sit there and start with stages and then leak on them continuously. Right. Because those classes, I'm sure they're good and they mean well, but. You're retaining 20 to 30% of what they say at best. My, at best is yeah. my guess. I might yeah. be wrong. There's always exceptions, but I think that's probably what's going on. Okay. So those are good. So summarize asset protection, budgeting, and by budgeting, you mean planning for the next 60 years, not the next five. Yep. And then uh, education. And then education. Continual education about your own finances and how the world works, how things work outside of professional sports. Those would be the top three off the top of my head. I like that. Yep. Marie, what about you? What are the top three things? And since you're in the real estate business and you don't have to 
have any right now, but if you do, are there three things that an athlete should think about when they're looking to buy a home? They've signed a new contract and they're moving to some city, I don't know, uh, Boston, since you were there for a while. Um, what would I, as a young athlete, uh, have to look out for? You're, you're my real estate agent and you say, look, Tom, you're an amazing, I don't know, what, what do I, a cricket player? Like, I have no idea. I'm just kidding. Like, what would I play, right? I actually, I was a varsity fencer in college. Okay. Saber. It was a thing. I lettered. Huh. So okay. it was division one. It's a thing. Um, and it was hard. You'd be surprised. Uh, I, it looks hard. Anyway, uh, point is, so what would I, and nobody pays you for it after. It's not like a, it's like professional lacrosse. You make $30,000 a year. But, uh, but what are you going to say? What are the top three things you should look out for? I would say the top three things are decide on where you're going to live in the summer. What's, okay. oh. you know, where, where's your, um, what do you, where you live? Do you go back home in the summer? Do you want to be Tuscany. in Miami in the summer? Yeah. And maybe that's where you invest and buy your home. So that's so, your, your, you, so you're saying look for your forever home or at yeah, least your... or at least five or six years. Okay. Um, you look more long-term gotcha. and then you, um, Smart. you look, um, wherever team you're on, um, you just get something to rent there that's going to work for you. Gotcha. Um, because otherwise, like I said, you'd be kind of stuck with these homes yeah. that, um, and I've seen it, they're, they're, you know, you're, you're stuck with a home that the, the market goes down um, and you've moved on to another city that you're probably never going to come and back to. And you can't to. rent it. Yeah. For so, what you have in mortgage and, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can rent it, but, um, you know, you're you're ending up being a property manager in which you're not even there. Right. You know, so it's, that's what I would, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. Yeah. So the two big things then, so two things. One is um, look where you plan to be in the summers, the place that you're going to go every year, regardless of what city you're signed in or living in as a, under contract. And then secondly, Whatever city you're contracted to, don't consider buying there unless it's that place, your summer home, uh, the place you're going to be uh, rent, rent for your contract because your contract could change. You moved four or five times, more, six? At least. A lot. And then, yeah. yeah. And then um, when you're renting, try to get in there um, in your lease some sort of out, some out sort clause. of trade clause. Hmm. Uh, that's and that's what idea. I recommend every client. So that's three things. Yeah. Buying your, buying your summer place, um, rent when you move cities, and then get a get an out oh, clause for being trade traded. Because I've seen where a lot of guys end up, they have to they were traded, which in and especially when you're a rookie or just coming in, you never dream that you're going to be traded. You know, right. you think you're going to be at that team forever, and they don't they don't even consider that, or mm. they don't think it's a really yeah. big deal, and then. Um, They'll be traded, and then I'll get a call that they um, <laughs> they owe twenty thousand to the apartment building um, because it wasn't put in there. If they're traded, they only maybe have to pay for sixty days or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, an out clause, kick out. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a good idea. Very good idea. All yeah. right, so I've got we've got three things for each of you. Six things. So make sure I got them right. Asset protection, budgeting, and education, and then. Buy in your summer place, rent, and get an out clause mm -hmm. for trading. Mm -hmm. Is that about summarize it? You guys have anything else you want to say on the show today? Anything that would help people or that you think is important about what you guys do that we haven't covered today? 
I would just say that it's important. I know it's very difficult. Like I encourage my son to, um, during the summer, you take, um, find out what your passion is. Um, If it's real estate right now, he has, he and his wife, Nilu, have just started Henderson Ventures. And um, do those things during the summer. Just don't, I know it's difficult because they've had a long season and they you know, not thinking about doing, they just want to rest. So there's, so while they're playing sports in the summer, do business, do some sort of business. I know what my husband, um, my mom and I started actually a transportation company in Philadelphia three years prior to him, um, retiring. So each summer he would have to come back and work in the business before he retired. So kind of think about, um, whatever you want to do while you're still playing and gotcha. just start it. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. So, um, well, thank you both for joining us today on the show. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming from Philly. Thanks, Tom. Actually, we're our production crew. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank our viewers for joining us on another wonderful episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Download us from wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Android Play, Google Play, whatever it's called. And uh, find us on YouTube. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.